Welcome to the Games by Number podcast. We are back looking at the top five leagues in Europe and tackling the biggest questions that you've asked us and that we want to answer. Uh, my name is Joe. I'm joined by... Abdul Gallo. And obviously... Marty Hill. Yeah, here for the next half an hour or so, going through the five biggest questions floating around Europe's elite leagues. Uh, how you been, everyone? Everyone all right? How's your... Been good. Yeah, been good. The Much international better kind of break. Much better weekend. Much better weekend. Watch a lot of football. I watched a lot of football, that's good, because uh, these gentlemen in front of me are going to give you the stats, the information, the numbers uh, that will make you sound a bit more intelligent. Won't it? If you're listening now and you got a, a, like a, you're going out with some of your mates or you've got like a bit of office chat going on, these gentlemen will give you, provide you some stats, some numbers that will just spin some heads in the morning. So you'll be able to go, yeah, yeah, what are you saying? And then throw some numbers at them. It's a so, nice little pub primer, isn't it? Yeah, so pay attention and get your notepad out. Uh, yeah, the five biggest questions from the Premier League, Bundesliga, Serie A, uh, La Liga and League One. One. We're going to start at home, though, in England. Well, wherever you're listening, we're in England, with the Premier League. And it is about a club close to our hearts, Manchester United. And the biggest question we ask today is, have Manchester United turned a corner? Now, with a big question like that, deserves a big answer. Abdul. Um, I, I think it's, you know, not really turning a corner in a way. I think we always had this. You know, you look at the start of the season, Anthony Martial was fit, Paul Pogba was fit. I know Paul Pogba didn't play on the weekend, but just the fact that we had Martial back makes such that a difference. Extra, you know, firepower going forward. And, you know, like you've got, you know, Marcus Rashford who's connected really well with him this season. Um, you know, in this in the Norwich game, Marcus Rashford found Anthony Martial the most player that he'd found on a pitch with 10 yeah. passes, including that brilliant assist to the back heel. In the game, for context as well, in the games before that, he'd been finding either a fullback or a defensive midfielder. Yeah, oh, so, so that's such a big difference. It gives him that forward option, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think once you you make that extra progressive pass going forward, you give you obviously naturally you're going to give your side a bigger chance of scoring a goal. And I think that's what Marcus Rashford and uh, Anthony Martial did really well. Uh, there's something I picked up on in the game actually was Wan Bissaka's role. First 25 minutes, I wasn't too happy because he was getting forward a bit too much. And I, we all we always talk about this. I don't really think it's his game. I think he's one of the best right backs in in world football over the past year or so. I think it's a fair argument he'd probably be in the top five. Yeah, I think you can make that shot. But I, I just think he's a better defensive right back. And 25 minutes onwards, he I think he sort of proved that because he became more of the defensive guy. Daniel James was going forward and he won, was it 11 tackles? Yeah, more than any players won in a single game in the league. Absolutely brilliant. So I think Anthony Martial is the difference maker, isn't he, for me? Yeah, so then it is the case of, do you look at the teams and how we played against them and go, it was good because we've often, uh, United have often struggled maybe against the uh, the lower sides to kind of get results this season. I mean, sometimes we've played better against better teams. So it was good to see that we could actually, or United could stop saying we, because maybe I'm a United fan, who knows? Impartial podcast. It's good to see United maybe going to a sort of smaller club and getting a, a very sort of, very notable and very strong win against a side who could have caused a hiccup. I mean, of course, City a hiccup, yep. could have saw the, the same sort of written the stars uh, fixture. But the right players did the right thing and we United got all three points. Well, I think the thing with that as well is United have pretty much exclusively relied on creating chances through transition. Yeah, Obviously, that's why we do a lot better against the big six teams. And I think what we did really well against Norwich was create turnovers in their half. And we're still creating through transition, but it's a lot further up. You've got Fred pressing. Obviously, Fred, I think, second in the game for tackles among Man United players. You've got Andreas Pereira, obviously, chips in from central midfield with tackles. Wan Bissaka, obviously, breaking records with the amount of tackles that he puts in. I think if you can if you can press and you can force those turnovers, 
that is how United create chances under Solskjaer. Yeah. I think we did that a lot better. I think you've seen like an example of us being on the, uh, you know, on the front foot. You always want to say that. You always want to be the team ahead, getting on the ball first. But I think we did that because McTominay yeah. and Fred were so far up the pitch and winning it back. And again, like you said, our best chance of scoring goals looks like it's in turnovers. And it's not a problem. I think if no, you no. do that, but you've got to have the players to do that. And I think Anthony Martial, Marcus Rashford give you that. Yeah. And the lack of depth in the squad. You know, on our way in, we were talking about who you could get in in January. And I think that's what, when you link to names like Muller, it does make sense. Yeah. Because those are the intelligent forwards that have played, you know, for 10, 15 years in Europe at the highest level in Champions League finals. Um, You know, he's played in a good two, I think now. He's, you know, played in the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, won the World Cup. Like, those are the players that you want to be bringing in to add that depth. Because once Anthony Martial, Max Rashford are out of that team, you can't really playing that style and you need players who can do a bit of both you know someone who can hold the ball up some players that understand <coughs> the, the, the ro- any role that they can come into and I think yeah. yeah I think United definitely need to add depth because we would look better over the course of the season yeah so maybe we don't look about turning a corner uh, without actually looking what's around the corner uh, I'm going to run through the next five fixtures let us know what you think about them uh, Chelsea uh, away in the uh, Football League Cup yeah Oh, what are you thinking? No, what are you think? Oh, oh, I want a, a win, lose or draw from you all. My uh, Chelsea away. I think you keep you presume Marshall and Rashford are fit, and I think we can win that game. I think the interesting thing: Marcus Rashford takes two point five shots per game when Marshall doesn't play. When Marshall does play, Rashford takes four point two. That's such a massive difference. Mm. So yeah, I think keep them two fit, and we can win that game comfortably. Abdul. Um, yeah, I agree with uh, Marty there. I think we, we're currently in sort of a good space in terms of coming off that Norwich game. Yeah. And again, you look at the the first game um, that we played against Chelsea, we scored those four goals. You know, it is impressive to get four goals. I know it was more hitting them on the break and all of that, but again, if, if we do sort of what we did against Norwich, I think we can get the better of them. I think we can almost be Chelsea's bogey team, which, yeah, I hope so. again, it worked the other way around under Sir Alex. We always struggled against them, but because they always had that on us, you know, they had Drogba who'd always cause us problems and always steps up in, in the big United-Chelsea game. And I think sort of Martial and Rashford have been that. Their records are brilliant. Um, I think Martial's got three, Rashford's got three against them. So that is impressive, you know, over the course that they've been here. And we have been unsettled at the times that we have faced Chelsea over the last couple of seasons. So those are the players that uh, you'd like to see step up. And I think we can do that. It will be a difficult game. Yeah, of course. I don't want to disrespect Chelsea. They've been playing some really, really good football. Uh, really, nice. It's weird as well. Chelsea are really likeable at the minute, which I never thought I'd see happen. But uh, their major weakness, obviously, is defending those wide areas. I think if we can play Martial and Rashford as split strikers, you know, they've not got Kante for that touchline to touchline cover. Mm. I think that'll be really, really important for them. Uh, let's have a look then at Bournemouth. Here, they're the next Premier League fixture. Would you say the half 12 kickoff will be a win for Manchester United? There's another away trip. I'd expect us to beat Bournemouth. I think Bournemouth have been so toothless this season. Ryan Fraser's not looked the same player. I think they're really missing David Brooks. I think people mm. underrate the influence he had. I think it was seven assists, five goals. Really big contributor. I think fourth in their squad, obviously, the two strikers, then Ryan Fraser. I'd expect us to beat Bournemouth. But again, you know, they're a team that can sit in that low block. And that's what we struggle against. Abdul, would you say Bournemouth win? Um, yeah, I think we should be beating Bournemouth, really. Um, again, we're at that stage now where we need to start stepping up against different type of sides that we play. Um, they're not particularly a team to completely sit back, which, again, like you said, yeah. works in our favour. But I think they could do a bit of both. I've seen them really trouble some of the top sides before. Yeah, they but, can definitely sit back against the top six teams. Yeah, they can do that, but... 
again, United, we should really be stepping up. And I think if Pogba's, I don't think, like Ali said, it will be back in December, so it looks like that. But hopefully Andreas steps in in the central areas and creates in that game. But I'd expect us to beat Bournemouth. Will be a difficult game against Chelsea. Uh, quick one then, just quick uh, win, lose or draw from you, bo- uh, from you both. Uh, Partizan at home uh, in the next Europa League tie. Win? Win. Win? Win. Win, yes. right. So that is United. I'll look at us now. We'll listen back to this and we'll have be really happy with what we said. Oh, we'll, uh, we'll never listen to it again. Uh, we'll head over to the Bundesliga and Borussia Mönchengladbach's excellent form uh, in uh, the Bundesliga. Is it sustainable? That is a big question. Can they carry on this incredible form? Uh, and that Marty and Abdul will be here to answer that. So over to you, Marty. Um, I, I don't think it's sustainable in the sense that they'll win the league. But I think it's sustainable in the sense that they'll keep playing really good football and they'll be there or thereabouts. I think the thing that you've got to remember with this team is Marco Rose has won league titles. Mm. And people like to think, oh, it's the Austrian division, it doesn't count. But I think there's a lot to be said for that and that mentality of building a title-winning team. They've obviously got a lot of good players, uh, Taram, Zakaria. I can't see Zakaria being there for much longer. I think he's first in the league, first or second in the league for possession, one and third for dribbles. Really, really excellent two-way midfielder. Um, I don't expect them to win the league. I mean, Champions League qualification would be a massive, massive achievement for them. I mean, Marco Rose's first season in a major league. So I don't expect them to win the league, but I expect the style of play and how exciting they've been to last till the end of the season. Abdul, you've been excited by the, the form they've been uh, been playing in, and do you believe that it can be sustainable? Um, I think it will be a, a difficult job, just because I think in the Bundesliga, you got buying a reliable goal scorer and... Lewandowski, I think if there's anything yeah. that's more than reliable, if there's a word to chuck in around yeah. there, it's Lewandowski. Um, I was looking at his numbers earlier, I think he's had 45 shots. Yeah, they basically start <laughs> a goal left, absolutely mental. So going back to Gladbach, though, I do think they've got a nice setup and um, I do like what Marco Rose is doing. I think he's bought out the best in Bolo, who's bought in. Yeah. And Zakari, I've always been a fan of. I remember him playing the World Cup. Only played like two games when I watched where he came off the bench, but... He's always looked a good player and, and I think Marco Rose is, seems to be getting out of the best out of some of these players that, you know, might have looked like they would have fallen off a year or two ago or certain yeah. people wouldn't have rated like Mbolo would come in and had that blistering start, you know, sorry, that blistering season sort of at Basel and then he had all the hype, didn't really work out when he first came here, I think it was Schalke. So it's good seeing, you know, managers get the best out of players because that shows a good manager and I don't know if they'll maintain it, but I think they'll get top four. Yeah. So, would you see other teams nicking their uh, sort of place in the top four, or as you both said, they will get that final place? Do you see them even sort of attempting to get third, second, struggling uh, the the big players in the Bundesliga, and maybe thinking to themselves, "Wow, they, you know, not only maybe are they, are they incredible this year, but it could be a, even a worry from the year after if they look to grow." Yeah. Glad back. Well, that's the thing as well. The squad's so young. The manager's young. All the coaching staff are young. So there is, I think, if this squad was to stay together, obviously it never happens in modern football. Mm. I think they would be a Bundesliga winning team. Potentially, they'd go deep in the Champions League. For me, my worry is they'll play really exciting football. They'll end up drifting off a little bit, maybe finishing third, you know, Bayern in first, Leipzig in first. I mean, to finish ahead of Borussia Dortmund would be an achievement, but then I think they'll get absolutely picked apart. I can see Marco Rose being snapped up by Bayern. Yes. All we could do is all head over and watch the Bundesliga to see if that form will continue. We're going to now, though, go to Spain and have a look at La Liga. And we're going to ask, is Jan Oblak the best goalkeeper in the world? It's a big question. It is a statement as well if we come out here and say yes or no, but we can only ask and you can only give the answer, uh, Abdul. 
Um, for me personally, just on a pure, you know, what watching Jan Oblak. I mean, uh, Marty will have the numbers on him, but I think watching the keepers over the past season, I think him, Edison, and Allison have got to be the best. You know, there. Yeah. Oblak probably just edges it, just because some of the saves he makes. And I look at Atleti this season. And I think they've been a bit shaky at the back because I think Simeone's trying to shape up a new system. Yeah, you know he's got a new setup, so it's understandable. But he's still stepped up. Yeah. Is it seven clean sheets. He's yeah, got? seven clean sheets. So that's right. incredible because they're not even top of La Liga, are they currently? No, no, seventy nine percent save percentage as well, which is the best in the league. That, like I, I think he is the best, and I think Edison. There's two games a season where I'm like, wow, like he's genuinely like giving me sort of the De Gea vibe from a few seasons back. He's yeah. made some really impressive saves. Allison is very reliable. Again, makes that brilliant save against Napoli. Has a couple decent games in the knockouts, but I don't think he's sort of had that, you know, effect on me compared to when I've watched Edison yeah. Ablak. But I think fair enough. He's, he's definitely up there and yeah, I'd, I'd also Ablak's man number I'd one. Put to Stegen in that kind of top tier category definitely, as well. Yeah. Sorry, I did forget about Stegen, but he's yeah followed in yeah, that group. Yeah. But I, I think, I think Ablak number one. The thing is, it depends how you want to rate goalkeepers. It's very difficult, obviously, position to compare people. Um, and I think the big thing is, do you fo- do you focus on who's the most complete goalkeeper? Or who's going to save you the most points? Because for me, I think Edison's the most complete goalkeeper in the world. Yeah. I mean, people see his ability in the ball. I think people presume he's not an elite shot stopper. And he just, he we is. We see three so of his good. saves. Or four. We see two against Palace, which were incredible. And then the two in a row against Villa. The one that comes yeah. straight oh, back yeah, at yeah. him. You can barely see it. The commentator was saying how, like, is that a save or not? Or is that a yeah. post? But when you watch it back, that deflection, and that gives him the clean sheet. And yeah. Fair enough. But for me, I think Jan Oblak's going to save you more points over the course of a season than any other goalkeeper in the world. And that, obviously, is the value. Would you say that um, when you look at going back to maybe Manchester United and you would put there in that world-class category, would you say that the game has moved on since you know the shop stopping uh, De Gea was talked amongst the elite? Now we're talking. I mean, you named your top three there, and De Gea wasn't in it. What is it about the modern goalkeeper that makes them the best in the world? What do you need to be if you are the modern goalkeeper and get the package and get talked about as being you know one of the best in in on the planet? Yeah, I think for me, I would go back to that. If you can, if you're playing fantasy football or whatever, and you can choose your goalkeeper, for me, it's who saves the team the most points directly. Where you're kind of thinking, obviously, it comes down to xG against, and they have no right to be saving that. And for me, that is Jan Oblak. But I think, yeah, in terms of the most complete goalkeepers, you've got to be able to contribute with your feet. You've got to be able to start attacks. And so, if we were talking about the most complete goalkeeper in the world, I would go Edison. I'd also go Allison ahead of Oblak in that conversation as well. But I think Oblak gets a harsh time as well because people say. He's poor with his feet, mm. and he's just not asked to use his feet. That's yeah. not his fault. If he's at a different club, we might see a different sort of side to him as a keeper. But Edison for me is probably the most complete. But I think Oblak is that much of an elite shot stopper, and like I said, Atleti his, his strength is times. just ridiculous. Like you see shots so where you're commanding like, of his box. As like well. you see shots that should just break his arm, and yeah. he just punches them out. It's, I've never seen anything like it. It's unreal. He, he is a, he's a, the almost complete keeper in terms of being a shot stopper. But again, you can make the point if he's needing to use his feet but Atleti don't really do that and no. the the thing is with City as well they've been I think are they even in the top three four defences in the Premier League don't think he can even make a case for them no. man. they're using midfielders there and Edison has kept them a couple of clean sheets yeah. like this season so I think you got a rating for that um, but yeah Ter Stegen's another one but the thing is with Ter Stegen he does get a couple of mistakes a season yeah, where you've yeah. got to take those into consideration and at one point last season I would have said he was my number one but I think our black is so reliable, man. Yeah. I think it's also worth giving a shout out to Manuel Neuer just because I've absolutely slated him for the last 12 months. 
and then this season he's been unreal. I agree with you actually. That not even the last twelve months. I think over the last couple of seasons because there was a Champions League campaign three years. I think it was before the Euros actually. Yeah. Those people that were continuously still calling him the best, and I didn't really like that because I was watching the Bundesliga. He was making mistakes, and then in that Champions League campaign that season before the Euros, I think it was fifteen sixteen. He'd made a bunch of mistakes going into the knockouts as well. So it was yeah. three, four mistakes in the Champions League. It's quite a lot. That's how much the maximum you'd expect throughout the season. Um, remember one against Arsenal, then Madrid in the knockouts later on. So I didn't really like people calling him the best at that time, but he stepped up this season. Yeah, I think he, he he's put himself back in that conversation, again. I think, which is an achievement and yeah, commendable. You don't really lose it. And that, that's the thing with De Gea. I think De Gea will climb back up there. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, And I think if Manchester United settle as a side and you know, they sort their defence out, then De Gea is just going to feel a lot more confident. Mm -hmm. And we've seen how much better he is when he's confident with what's ahead of him as well. Uh, we're going to go to Italy now and have a look at, um, well, Cristiano Ronaldo. We've talked about him a lot on this podcast because he's the man uh, on top of the world. Uh, he is uh, just pulling out unbelievable performances uh, for Juve. So we're going to question is his place in the team and is he and a Juve overly reliant on Ronaldo the Ronaldo you know one day he will call it a day and a Juve want to stay on top of the game it's easy to look to, to build a, a squad that is young and, and maybe has a, a longer career path than Ronaldo has one it's incredible that Ronaldo's still carrying teams and world class teams but two are they over reliant on him Marty it's, I think they're not over reliant on them obviously this comes in the context of Juve dropping points on the weekend and for me you look at the shot map, they had three players taking five plus shots. So it's not a kind of Real Madrid syndrome where Ronaldo comes out the team and all of a sudden they're not taking shots and definitely not high quality shots. But for me, the overlying in him in the fact that they have to win a Champions League, he has to win them a Champions League. Otherwise, their squad's gone backwards. You know, they've had to lose people like Moise Keane. And I think for me, you're putting a lot of your eggs in Cristiano Ronaldo's basket. And I don't know if it's... I don't know if it's worth it for that one Champions League. I think build a dynasty, build a young team that goes on to dominate, to go on to win a Champions League. I think they were definitely right to take take Ronaldo on at 100 mil in this market. You're not going to turn it down, are you? you you're not going to turn it down. He's such a reliable goal scorer, but it's what he does, that effect, the winning effect that he has on the side. He scored every knockout goal for Juve last season yeah. in the Champions League. That is impressive, all five of them. The two against Ajax where Juve were poor for me. The first leg against Atletico, poor goals and scores a hat-trick. We just see it like that level. He takes it even when he's not scored as many goals in a season. I expect he does that. And I've, I've really enjoyed watching him this season. I think his last game against uh, Locomotive Moscow, quite disappointing. The games before that, I think he was creating. He was finding Ramsey and Dybala in the game. And that Locomotive Moscow game didn't really step up. I think... They are over-reliant on him. Bernadeschi, what, had five shots, none hitting the target, rounds the keeper brilliantly, then misses an open net. Yeah, but then the counterpoint to that is you don't need Ronaldo to score that open goal. Yeah, true. So yeah, in that game, they should really be finishing off their chance. Yeah. They lit two or three times, I'm pretty certain. I think it's like a minimum of two where he's hit his hand and had, yeah. you know, given a penalty away. And then there's the other couple, the one against Inter, where he probably should have been a pen. Um, the second one as well, he has, to, he has one where he gets given, second one arguably... The one against, uh, not last year, I think the week before, I think Bologna they played at home. Um, you know, handball right under his arm, stopping the ball going to Palacio. So he's not having the most settled time going in. So it's almost the same question you got to ask. I know he's a young player, arguably the best prospect in terms of a defensive sense. Yeah. But was it worth it letting Moise Ken and Cancelo go? In my point, in my opinion, sorry, not really. Just just because of the fact that you bring in the morale. 
who's looked good in Serie A, yeah. who's been a reliable defender the season before, gives you that aggressive feel in defence. And you've got another season, Benucci Chiellini. I don't think it was worth dismantling the team for them. You know, he's, he's got to really step up the lick to prove his point. Again, just like Ronaldo, he's got to deliver that Champions League almost. And yeah. Sarri's got to do that because Serie A is clearly not enough because it's been too easy for them. I know mm. they've got Conte's Inter to face, but they've got to really step it up and try and win that Champions League or win it, actually. I think Ronaldo season. feeds into the arrogance at Juve as well. It's almost like they presume... Again, it's like the Lewandowski thing. They presume the 1-0 up when they start playing. Yeah, I that's think that's true. dangerous. I think we had this at United when we were yeah, younger absolutely. and watched so many big Champions League nights and we're like... Why have we taken long to get into this game? Why are we conceding it? Why are we losing to these sides? And I think we it was the reason we didn't win as many Champions Leagues when we were so great. And it is almost a feel that you get with the top sides. I mean, Barcelona yeah. have that sometimes. It's just whether the quality of you being able to, for example, in the second level of Champions League, get it back. And Ronaldo gives you that. Madrid were pulled out of the dirt so many times because of Ronaldo. How many games? The Wolfsburg games, the Atletico I'm excited for the Champions I don't, I don't remember the last time I've been this excited about the Champions League. I'm just hoping yeah. everyone stays fit because there's some serious talent on show. Di Maria's been absolutely incredible. We'll talk about it with, with France, but yeah. he's been unreal. And Mbappe for PSG, so it'll be a good Champions League season. Let's go over then to France, shall we? And our final question, as we've asked the biggest questions of them all. If you want to get a question to us, it's at uh, Games by Numbers PD at Games by Numbers PD on Twitter. Just send us a tweet with questions that you want to see us ask here in the studio and we will get to them. Uh, we are going to go to France. It's a simple question uh, today and it's just to review the Le Classique. We are going to start with Abdul. Review the uh, Paris Saint-Germain game. It was a, a sort of battering. What did you make of it? A walk through the park, I'd say. Yeah. Would, uh... <laughs> Would be the fairest sort of, uh, you know, review of that. I think it was just too easy in the first half. Marseille, um, just just way too easy to get through their defence. Any ball over the top from Di Maria, which which was unbelievable last night. You know, some of the passes he was finding to Icardi and Di Maria and behind the defence were incredible, but they made it too easy, man. Like, every time Di Maria put the ball up, I expected him to get a through ball. Yeah. You don't... You're meant, I meant to expect a free ball twice a game max that sets you in front of goal every time we got the ball I was like alright they're about to score a goal and that's yeah. how it looked like all game fell straight into the pressing trap as well didn't they and I think the thing I'd say is people see Marseille nil, PSG 4 and they think oh you know it's PSG turning up taking the mick rainbows uh, Neymar's rainbow flicking people and volleying it in from 50 yards yeah. and it very much wasn't that I think Thomas Tuchel got his tactics absolutely spot on and I think I honestly think they're the second best team in Europe now I think they're, they're just so dominant. Obviously, didn't score in the second half, but the way they just controlled the game, you know, you've got the likes of Kimpembe, Verratti. You can get that 4-0 lead through like the Di Maria and Mbappe, Icardi, and then control the game with those guys. I mean, they've maybe Liverpool, the only better team than them in Europe at the minute. But yeah, it was far too easy, but you've got to commend Tuchel for getting his tactics bomb. Yeah, I think uh, what we're seeing from this PSG side is, you know, what they've gone into the market for, and I think you could see what why they targeted Idris Gay and and Herrera yeah. is building a good defensive setup with experienced players that those two exactly match that around the likes of Marquinhos and Verratti to then drive them into not only dominating the league as they do every season but going into the Champions League and it'd be interesting what how well they do I think because I think they will do well it's just about yeah. how 
can they transfer that quality from the league into the Champions League? They've been they've not been able to do that, and that's why they've targeted those players. Verratti yesterday was incredible. Yeah, and I think Herrera allows him to do that. Marquinhos allows him to do that. Idris Gay when he was when he's played for them this season, I've seen him. He's allowed him to do that, and he's chipped in going forward, creating chances. And once you got Neymar fit, which is a difficult job. They've got to be, for me, as one of the favourites going into to, to the end of that Champions League, Liverpool yeah. in the mix with them. But I don't see a side that's right now in form that I could say confidently say they're the best side in Europe other than maybe Liverpool and PSG. Yeah. I think they're up there, man, because people are underrating them. But th- those defensive uh, you know, buys that they've got this season off of free with Ander Herrera, which is incredible have really put them in a good position to go and beat some of the European top sides. Yeah, well, I think they've had these victories before and they've been less impre- impressive. You know, there's been games where they've beat Monaco like 5-0, but you can still tell it's kind of a ball up to, you know, the likes of Zlatan or yeah. Cavani and it's just pure individual quality. But I think if you watch PSG now, and I would implore people to watch PSG at the minute because they've obviously got a bad reputation around dominating the league amongst other things, but they are so fun to watch at the minute. And it's not just pure individual quality being better than everybody else. I think Thomas Tuchel's developed into a really, really good manager. The surgery they've done to that midfield, as you said, absolutely spot on. Adrissa Gay, basically the best central midfielder in the world this season so far, I think it'd be fair to say. Yeah, like in terms of his numbers, it backs him up, doesn't it? Like there's games where we check his numbers and we're like, oh, he must have won like the most tackles or whatever, but then he's won the most tackles and created the most chances. Yeah. Um, Very underrated midfielder, I'd say. Um, You know, he's almost like... People, a lot of people compared him to like a sort of a cheaper Kante, but I think they underrate him a bit when they say that. I'm not saying yeah, he's better no. than Kante is on that level, but I just think he has more to his game than initially I thought he did as well, yeah. and he's and he's proved that to me this season. Uh, it's what you need to build around the likes of Neymar, Mbappe, and Icardi to flourish, and f- right now it's working. It's just about no one really challenges PSG and and Liga and. That's why people don't really want to talk about it and, you know, Farmers League and all the jokes everyone likes to throw about. But yeah. can you see anyone right now? Because, I mean, as like I said, they're probably top two European teams this season, never yeah. mind what they are in their own league. Can you see anyone else challenging them anytime soon? No, I don't think so. But what I would say is it's very easy to be like, oh, that, that's the Farmers League. You know, it's not... I'm not saying this is what you're saying, by the way, but yeah. people can easily say, like, that's the Farmers League, it's nothing like the Premier League. But then yeah. you take Man City out of the Premier League and what's the Premier League? It's Liverpool being PSG. That's true, that is a good point. Mm-hmm. Again, there is a lot of talent, just like the Premier League, that is... that. Look at the sides in the Premier League that pick up talent throughout the French League. Um, it does become... It does become quite tight at the top if you bring someone else in. I think Monaco were good, you know, a couple of seasons ago, but it's like the teams that we talk about, like Gladbach earlier... Yeah. Will they be able to maintain that side? And I think that's what Monaco were in that situation. Yeah, once they you've couldn't... got that monopoly for like four or five years, it becomes so, so difficult to break, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, I think the Dortmund at the, were sort of the example of that. They just about managed yeah. to keep their players for that extra season, made the Champions League, then they let Goethe go. He was watching that Champions League final in 2013 as a Bayern player, but still signed for Dortmund, which yeah. is mental. And I think we do need another French side to nip in there. But I'm happy with what? watching PSG as a side because they're not the most likeable team if we're honest most like oh here we go then uh, right so we're going to wrap things up there uh, all the points have been made uh, today uh, they can only be uh, sort of judged by one thing but keep watching football and see what happens uh, Games by Numbers PD on Twitter if you want to get any of your questions in about the top five leagues make sure you do and make sure you subscribe and make sure you keep listening and do us a favour because share as well uh, this podcast on your Twitter on your Facebook etc let people know you're listening so more and more people come down uh, and tune in uh, my name has been Joe and I've been joined by 
Abdul Gallo. And obviously, Marty Hill. Have a wonderful uh, time wherever you're listening to this. This has been the Games by Number podcast, and we'll see you very soon.